everyone, welcome to another episode of JourneyCast. My name is Levi. I'm Alicia. And today we have a very special guest with us, our senior pastor, <gasps> Steve Paul. Steve over here, casual yeah. Steve. This casual is Steve. this is Wednesday, Steve. <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is the Steve you don't see. You normally see Sunday Steve. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I knew Steve this way. Yeah. Originally, because like I was a teenager when he was my youth pastor. Right. He used before to have he was my job. senior pastor. Yes, he did. Yeah. So we you traded. knew casual Steve. Not traded. Yeah. Why did I say that? Yeah. I was the first senior pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we traded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, and. Steve, if I can say this, used to get in trouble a little bit when he was a youth pastor because yes. of the way he dressed, actually. Maybe you don't I even did. know that. I like, I know the seniors. I can speak for my grandparents anyway, because oh, wow. grandma did. won't listen to this. But like, they used to complain because they were like, oh, that's Steve. Like he wore, I think it was ripped jeans on his Sunday. I think oh, that wow. was really? all it took yeah. to deeply offend them. And then I remember a story, this may or may not be true. Did you ever nail something into a pulpit as a sermon? Oh, I pretended to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it was the pulpit that somebody in the congregation had built oh, by hand. There and they it thought is. you were actually nailing and into it. And it wasn't nailing. I actually had a plugged in screwdriver, right? like like an electric. Oh, oh, um, a drill. A drill, yes. <laughs> and so I was actually pretending to drill into it, but I had a piece of wood on top. So oh. I was drilling into it. And, and the guy who built it, he says, watch it, boy. That's hilarious. <laughs> the middle of Sunday morning. <laughs> Uh, and I'm pretending I'm using this illustration and, and I knew it was going <laughs> to offend on? people. I forget, but it was, the illustration was to kind of draw out that, uh-huh. you know, the shock of me, you know, potentially Drilling. destroying the pulpit. Yeah. So and, funny. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> so it was quite comical. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. So you've had but, your crazy days. <laughs> And like, we can't really call it a Hallmark story, but it could be like a Cinderella story, you know, from right, crazy yeah, ripped from youth pastor to... Senior pastor. Well-respected to, senior right, pastor. Right. <laughs> having yeah. it's, been, it's been a long journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have an, like an embarrassing story from when you were a or youth pastor? Are you just going to start out with the embarrassing stories? Kind of, yeah. I kind of want to know yeah. if there's... Specifically when well, you were a youth pastor, you know? Embarrassing story from when I was a youth pastor? I, oh, wait my life, I would say, is one embarrassing <laughs> moment after another. Like, that's kind of how it works. So if you talk to my kids who mm. are in their 20s now, yeah. they, they love to there, it's bug drop me to point about those out, you know? yeah, oh, all yeah. of my embarrassing moments and yeah. things like that. But as, as a youth pastor, I think, uh, well, there's one time I tried to electrify Jello. I was um, here for that. Were you wearing a lab illustration. coat? I was in a lab coat. I remember and this. And we had... A table set up, and we had Jello. And the idea was, I was simulating this this idea of uh, of evolution and life creating out of this cosmic gel. Mm. That you know, scientists maybe you know some posit that that's kind of how life started. So <laughs> I had this this pan full of Jello, and I was putting a cattle prod to kind of simulate electricity. Oh yeah, into it. And the table, the table legs hadn't been spread out far enough. So oh. one of the table legs collapsed inward. Oh, no. The whole thing of jello, which hadn't fully set yet, yeah. slid down the table, slid it into the audience. Like people, people had jello in the front row, had jello oil all over them. And Amazing. So one that was, thing you'll, you'll, I wasn't super embarrassed by that, but it just, it was fun. Yeah. It was funny. Did you also climb a giant ladder? Am I making that up? I did climb okay, a giant I ladder a and bit. we, and something, I set something off 
coming do- going down a rope from that giant ladder. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. There's another I illustration. I have a vague memory of that as well. Not the sermon attached to it, but just the... Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> bring some of these illustrations what? back. It sounds like you had a lot of ideas for oh, them. We, being, you know, oh, yeah. I, I, I still have ideas, but I just know that it's going to distract yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. And, and it'll be one of those things where people remember the illustration more than the sermon. Right, so. yeah. And then we... Uh, we used to play Where's Waldo okay. every Sunday morning, and we'd have a camera with a 100-foot cord. Um, so it would go, or 200-foot cord or whatever, so the camera could go everywhere. This is the days before Wi-Fi, right? So mm. everything had to be corded. <laughs> and so we had Waldo in the sanctuary, <laughs> and we had a camera person at the back, because like, the service was going on and the yeah. regular service was going on. And then we had Waldo pop up like behind a plant or behind the organ or something in, in the service. <laughs> <laughs> and the first person that could pinpoint Waldo and uh-huh. run to the front and kind of point at the screen where he was, you know, got a prize, right? Oh, that's uh-huh. so funny. And so then one Sunday we had Waldo uh, on a moped okay. outside. And, and, but the thing is, we didn't tell the guy we were going to use his moped. <gasps> So I didn't know this, but the, the you know guy playing Waldo had this all set up. So he actually grabbed the guy's moped. So he was on this moped without permission, and it was a bit of ice on the ground. Oh no! So he he was supposed to you know you know rev the engine and kind of drive away, right? And he revs the engine, spins out on the ice, causes oh. nine hundred dollars <gasps> damage to the moped. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Did it come out of your budget? <laughs> it did come out of my budget. It was a tough year. Oh no! We we were we were, oh, we were no. eating you know crackers and stuff yeah. like that for snacks because yeah. my my budget mostly went to moped money. Oh no! Who's, oh no! Whose moped was it? Oh man, this is way back yeah. in the day. Mm. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, no, nobody that was. nobody that people would know mm. these days probably, but. Uh, so yeah, today we wanted to bring you on to tackle some theological questions. Nice. Uh, some of these were specifically for this episode. Some of them were ones that we had asked. We just haven't gotten around to answering yet. <clears throat> so, uh, we'll start off with this one what, that was submitted. God says he has our entire life planned out. So do we really have free will then, or are we just fulfilling what God has already planned for us to do? Do we have free choice? Yeah, I love this question. I love how it's worded because often we tend to communicate to people that God has a plan for your life, right? And yeah. and sometimes people can understand that as God has my life planned out, but that those are actually two different things. God has a God plan has for a plan your life versus, versus God having out. it planned out. So if you think right. of, uh, you know, my mom has my life planned out. That's kind of at that season of life where, yeah, you got to get up, go to school, then you've got a dentist appointment, and then you've got hockey practice, and then you come home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my life. Mom's my, got a schedule my, for my, you. Mom's got a schedule for yeah. my life. So, uh, uh, you know, that's kind of this idea of God has our life planned out. He's got a schedule for our life, which isn't how it works. Well, it's kind of that Christianese too, right? Of like, well, the Bible's just an instruction booklet on how to right. live your life. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And so that there's that confusion there of, well, is it planned out, you know? Like, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the T. 
So, so that you compare that, this idea of, you know, your mom having your schedule planned out, we kind of think, well, God has my life planned out. Well, it's more like what happens as you get older, your parents have a plan for your life. They have some hopes and dreams for you Mm -hmm. and things that they would like you to move into and accomplish and all those kind of things. But you have a choice. You have a free will. You can choose to skip class. You know, you reach a certain point in life where you choose to skip class. You can choose to go, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can choose to work Mm -hmm. You can choose to drop out of school. You can choose to go into a trade, whatever. Um, And and so God does have a plan in the sense that he has uh, some overarching things that he would love for us as his creation to do and to follow and to be. But it's not like God has our day planned out and we're just you know, robots kind of living out yeah. God's schedule for us, well, right? Knowing doesn't mean making, if that makes right. sense to you, yeah. right? Just because yeah. God knows us really well too, probably, yeah. Like, yeah. and knows, doesn't mean he's making us do those things, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. even as this person submitted this might say, um, if God's plan for me is to be a lawyer and I don't want to be a lawyer, is that wrong for me to, you know, like... Right, yeah. Is and, that is that free will? Am I going against God's will because I'm, I'm right. choosing not to do that? Or Yeah. And I'm not sure that, that God's plan quite works that way. It's, yeah. it's, it's more general than that. It's more related mm-hmm. to... And he's God, given you gifts. God would love for us to worship him. God's mm-hmm. given us gifts, but how we use those gifts, we have a choice mm-hmm. how we're going to use those gifts and where, right? So... Yeah. God's given you an intellect and you choose to, you know, you could be a doctor, you could be a lawyer, you've got the kind of mind mm-hmm. and kind of ability to be able to do that. Like you were going and, to be a teacher at and one just, point. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're still in that education. So I'm still using that teaching gift, yeah. but I'm mm-hmm. using it in the church. And if I'd have chosen to be a teacher, I would have been using it in school, but still using the teaching gift that God had given me. So that's a great example, right? Yeah. So, so God's plan for me was... I've got these gifts and I've got these things that, that Stephen could do. Mm-hmm. And I made choices, you know, in response to God, in mm-hmm. response to my life's uh, situation. So, you know, we have, it's not quite that God has, you know, that right. ske- set scheduled plan, but God has some general things in his plan. He's given us gifts. He'd love for us to worship him. He'd love for mm-hmm. us to... Uh, to pray. He'd love for us to seek him. You know, those kind of things are more of, he'd love for us to know Jesus because ultimately part of God's plan is that the only way we really draw into a close relationship with him is through Jesus Mm -hmm. and through coming to a place where we repent of some of the things, things, mistakes of our life. We turn to God, right? Those kind of things are uh, God's general plan. Those are, yeah. you know, and then within that, there's there's all kinds of uh, choice that we have and the ability to to choose. So. Well, we're think, not Calvinist. Yeah, is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> no, no. Like, I mean, large true, yeah. scale, yeah. right? Like we believe that you get to choose to follow after God or not, right? Yeah. That's your choice. It's not something you were predestined and have to do, right? Like God knew, yeah. therefore, right? Yeah. yeah, you're not. Yeah, predestined uh, salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even even Calvinists believe in a in a, a form of free will or free agency, and so we tend to think about free will. But 
it's almost better to think of it as free agency. So mm-hmm. we're, we're free agents that God has, God has created us. We're free moral agents. We're free moral beings. Um, we all make choices. We all either benefit from those choices and we suffer from our choices. And even, even Calvinists mm-hmm. actually believe that, mm-hmm. right? So, so this idea that um, we have this life, it's a gift from God. We can make choices. We can uh, so uh, theologically, the best term to use is this idea of free, free agency, agent. mm. and and <laughs> yeah, we're free moral agents. We have free agency, and um, you know we have these things that we want to do. We have these things that we should do. So so Augustine, Luther, Calvin, you know, all the major theologians would say, yeah, we're free moral agents. And, um, I was kind of like, I was thinking about this question and I I was thinking of Psalm 139 as a great way to help kind of describe what, uh, uh, you know, God's plan versus what God knows. And so Psalm 139 says, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart. You know, everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me before you're, you you place your hand a blessing on my head, right? So it's like God has this knowledge mm-hmm. of us and yet there's nothing in there that says that God's making us do that. It's just more God understands us at such a deep level and he's he's aware of us. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he sees us as we're going and he knows us so well, he even knows mm-hmm. what we're going to say, right? Like you think of well, that's the thing, your think, best friends, people you're yeah. close to, you kind of, you can, you, you know what they're going to say, yeah. right? That's true. A moment happens and you know, oh, they're going to tell that story yeah. mm-hmm. about that moment in their life. It, it, yeah. You just know each other so well, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that picture of God's knowledge of us is so uh, deep that that he knows what, even what we might struggle say with in the a idea of like, you know, like God if he knows our future, he knows what we're going to do tomorrow, then is that predestined already? Right. Yeah. Or do I have the choice to change that? You know, like there's right. like kind of that, yeah. that question of that paradox of like, well, do can I actually change the future? But then that right. also creates that craziness, right? Our poor grade 12s, because if they believe like God wants me to go to this specific college, I just have to figure out which one, right? There's yeah. just this one route I have to take yeah. and I have to do it this way or else, right? Yeah. We put yeah. all this pressure on ourselves to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, it creates pressure and you're just, oh, I don't want to miss it. You know, right, All yeah, that right. kind of stuff. And whereas it's more like, yeah, God knows all that and he's with you in it and you don't need to stress yeah. about it because mm-hmm. just make the choice, like use that free agency that God's given you, mm-hmm. make the best choice you can mm-hmm. and then live into that yeah. and trust. And right? if, yeah, if your heart is to follow him and to do his will in your life, and you know you're you're spending time in His Word, and you're you're you have a relationship with Him. You're you're probably going to make the right choice, right? Yeah. There's a very good chance that you will, if especially if you're, you know, going out of your way to pray about it, to say, you know, God, you know, show me the way, and you've got these three options. It's like, well, one of those three will be fine. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like you're going to choose the wrong one. He's like wrong, you know, or none of <laughs> you them. You screwed up your could life. Be fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. And and any one of those is going to lead to. So you've got a choice of three different colleges. Any one of those is going to lead to both good 
and negative things mm-hmm. in your life, right? Yeah. So you might end up yeah, with it's not like you great one friendships at one. Forever. Right, yeah. You might end up with great friendships at one. You might end up with a better professor at, you know, like mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Oh, miss the person you're supposed to marry. And, that was right. that university yeah, yeah. B. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that, they were, they were at the years. third choice yeah. and you missed it, right? Um, yeah, no, it, and it, so we've got those choices and then God works with us in the midst of those choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and he's kind of uh, he's 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 playing chess while we're playing checkers, right? Yeah. Like we're making he's those good. those he's decisions. Like 40 chess. <laughs> and and he knows, like he's he's like that. Uh, he's like Doctor Strange, right? He, yeah. he can sit down and knows those fourteen million possibilities, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. he knows that you know how all that all, everything except plays there's not only out, one. Yeah. right? And yeah, except there's yeah, and how many so. Did we win? So he knows that stuff and yet we've got the ability to choose and, Mm -hmm. and and that's probably the hardest part. I think sometimes we lean into this idea that God's got a plan. If I just know God's plan, I can figure it out partly because it's easier that way. Right. But then it requires no trust. Right. Yeah. And, and so when it's like, oh, I've got a choice to make, that's, that's hard Mm -hmm. to make that choice and know, okay, what if I made the wrong one? All that kind of stuff. And then it's more like you say about trust where it's like, okay, you make the best choice you can make and trust that God is actually going to take and use that. Yeah. And um, you need to have a relationship with him where you keep coming back to him, keep praying about it and keep yeah. turning to him in those times where you're stressed about stuff, you know, then, then you've actually got this relationship where he can give you the wisdom you need and he's, you are relying on him and yeah, that, that's just his desires to have a relationship. Yeah. And there's people, yeah, they're like, Oh, if, if only I could just download God's plan and then mm. see you later, you know, talk to you in five years and I'll let right, you know how I'm doing, yeah. you know, like that's mm-hmm. not the goal. <laughs> exactly. It's, that's a great point because it, it's, we're in a relationship and it, and it, God is a relational God and mm-hmm. he, he wants to lead us. And that's part of the adventure of being a Christian yeah. that I love is just, uh, even though I don't like the spaces where I've ended <laughs> up in like a, yes. the result of a bad choice and yeah. I've been, and, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I th- thought I was choosing well. I thought God was leading me here and mm-hmm. this isn't turning out well. And then you watch later on as God redeems that yeah. and, and and then you, you start to go, okay, well, actually that wasn't God's, that was, you know, you made a, right, a good choice, all that kind of stuff. But what happened there wasn't, what God would have wanted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It wasn't a good thing that ha- wasn't a God thing. It was wrong, right? What, yeah. what happened, right? But you don't have to go back and go, oh, well, you know, I really made a mistake. I blew it. Somehow I got out of God's sometimes plan for my life. And yeah, sometimes life is just hard. Sometimes you're in the best possible scenario mm-hmm. and you're walking with the Lord and you've made the best possible choice mm-hmm. and you still have hard times. You still yeah. have struggle, struggles. You still have, you know, temptation. You still have um, people there that maybe aren't the ideal people that you'd love to yeah. uh, have in your life. But then God's using that to stretch you and to train you and to expand you and all that kind of stuff. So nothing's wasted. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, so that, that whole God's plan and that whole free will conversation is really interesting. Uh, so we do have free agency, but mm-hmm. the, the interesting twist on that is there's a sense in which we don't have our own free will. So we have this free agency 
And like I said, Augustine, Luther, Calvin, all the major theologians would argue that we have this free agency. But we also have, um, there's a sense in which we don't have a free will, especially when it comes to salvation. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to uh, things related to really being able to fully make um, the right moral choices, fully make, um, the, the fully uh, save ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, we, when it comes to salvation, we don't have free will. Yeah. And, and that's where it kind of gets interesting theologically. And it's, uh, it's, it's like uh, in theology, we call it the inability. We, there's this inability that we have to choose the right choice when it comes to God, when it comes to salvation, um, because we're bound by sin. Right. And that's really where, you know, God creates us. He creates us with free moral agency. He creates us with a free will then we use that free will to sin. Mm -hmm. And then from there on, we're bound by sin and Mm -hmm. sin has a stronghold in our life. Sin has brought death into our life. And so there's there's a sense there. You can do to save yourself from your sin. Right. Yeah. There's a sense there where even though we have free moral agency, we don't have the ability to use that agency to save ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's why we ask for God to take our lives. You know, we're like, we're, we're giving up that that mm. free will right, in yeah. that sense to like, hey, can you save me from this? Well, what ends up happening is is God kind of takes and restores that that will, mm-hmm. um, and and it's yeah. So we have this you know, sins marred us, sins harmed us in some way, sins affected our free will in some way, and particularly when it comes to choosing to do right what's right before mm-hmm. God. So. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, uh, there's this verse there that where Jeremiah says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, right? Mm-hmm. So we tend to go, okay, I'm going to make decisions. And what are we making decisions about? With thinking. And a lot of it, we're going with our gut, right? Like ultimately, when you make a decision, it goes, you, you, you really kind of go with your gut. You go with your heart. And, and yet, the heart is deceitful and the heart is wicked Mm -hmm. because of sin. And so we try to choose God's way, but we can't fully choose God's way without God doing something. Right. So that's where the free will conversation kind of gets interesting because, uh, we, we don't have a natural inclination to really choose God's best. Mm -hmm. Our inclination is to choose what's best for For us. us. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, but, and that's because something has happened to free will. So we have free agency, but we don't really have free will. And that's kind of the theological like a, distinction that yeah, happens no, between those words. I'm trying to think of like an illustration to, to simplify it a bit. Would you like, would you say that like someone who's a drug addict choosing to go to rehab that they're making that choice, but they don't have the ability to resist that temptation. So they're like asking for help. Right. Would you say that's a good illustration of that or yeah, it's probably like even some, more, a little more it, complex than that? It's probably more complex than that, but addiction is a good example. Uh, somebody who's really far into addiction, they, they, see they, they know help. that they can't save themselves. Yeah. yeah. So the most they can do is see that I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it, this is beyond me. I can't. I need someone to help me. Wake up in the morning and go about my day without really desperately, you know, struggling with this addiction. Or I can't go <coughs> three days or five days or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I need help. Yeah. So there's a, I think there's a good example there yeah. where uh, there's a sense of with, with sin in general, where we're bound up mm -hmm. and, and yet there's a sense where we know something's not right. There, we know that we need something. We're not quite sure what it is. And, uh, that's where, yeah. So we, so we don't quite have the ability within our will when we're bound up by addiction to fully pull ourselves out of it. Yeah, we right? need something or we someone need, set apart from that yeah, to help so, it pull us out. So we need an, a group, an organization mm -hmm. that has set up um, like Teen Challenge or something yeah. like that, a place where I can go mm -hmm. and a place where I can detox and a place where I can get support and right. yeah. a place where I can get counseling and a place where I can get, uh, you know, so then I'm, you know, somebody's helping me to move out from, Mm -hmm. that addiction to, into freedom. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately it still involves that individual choosing, mm -hmm. I'm going right. to stay right. here. Yeah. Right. Like once, <coughs> once they've you. received the help, right. I, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to keep living into this. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's a pretty reasonable example. And it's this idea of, yeah, we've got free agency, but sin has come in and it has kind of hijacked our will in a certain sense, we're bound up by the power of sin. So, and this is the importance of Jesus, right? This mm -hmm. is the importance of Jesus coming into the picture. He's the sacrifice for our sin, but he's also, um, he put sin to death. He defeated yeah. sin's power. He defeated the power of death. And so we wouldn't be able to save ourselves, but Jesus comes in and he kind of creates that ability for us mm -hmm. to... Uh, to be saved and to find God. And, um, as so, a human being that's yeah. set apart as sinless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, um, and that's what Romans five is kind of all about. And, and I'll just read, uh, just quickly, um, read here, Romans five verse 18. If anybody wants to read this, who's listening, but uh, it says here, Paul says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, which is that state that we were in with sin. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed God. Many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So it's this, this idea. That's, that's a lot of what Romans six and seven mm. is about is how God has actually freed up our will. Mm. And so that's where actually, once we come into faith in Christ, our will has been fully freed up. So we, we're free moral agents with free will. And so that's, that's just a, a distinction that theologians make. So that answer to, uh, that question is probably more than that person was looking for. Yeah, well, yeah. They have learned today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but the, just kind of the core of it is, uh, yeah, we're, we're morally responsible free agents. We're a slave to sin that Christ needs to liberate. Like yeah. we need that liberation and we're fallen beings 
we, we can only choose to go against God until God comes in and renews mm-hmm. our heart and, and opens up the door and opens up the way for us, right? So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of the way theologians summarize that, <laughs> that free will conversation <laughs> and that God's plan it's conversation, right? Yeah. Figured right. it out very easily. Yes. <laughs> right, and, and uh, this is, I, I'm just giving a real simple summary. There's, there's way more to it, but... This is why you go to Bible college. Yes, yes. if you want to got, delve into these things, this is. You've got your masters in your theology. I've got a, my masters in Old Testament theology. Old Testament theology. What nice. it is? Yeah. So, nice. so that's kind of my wheelhouse is Old Testament yes. stuff, which I love. But the, in in Old Testament theology, the New Testament is like the addendum mm-hmm. for the real book which is the Old Testament. <laughs> and then you did your, like, is it your thesis paper on, was it Melchizedek? Yeah, I did my thesis on Melchizedek and Genesis 14. I don't know why I know that. <laughs> I mean, why, why do I know that? Yeah, like, it's an interesting choice. Yeah. It's very, very random. Yeah. Core memory. <laughs> awesome. So our next question here, uh, what does it mean to fear God? How can we fear and love him at the same time? That's a good question. It's a great question because, yeah, when it comes to fearing God, it's I've heard like many answers on this. Yeah, is is God like scary? You know, is is he scary? And it seems like it, but but we keep saying God loves you, and mm-hmm. yeah, how do you balance out the fear of God and God's love and? Is this one of those of things where you've got like a fancy in the original Hebrew? The word fear actually means. <laughs> is it one of those things? Not quite, uh. <laughs> not quite. But I think that, um, like the Bible talks a lot about the fear of the Lord. It's like an idea that comes up a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, my first thought is that the fear of the Lord is it describes that reaction that some people have when they get into the presence of God. So we we read in Isaiah, Isaiah six, Isaiah is kind of given a vision of heaven and the angels are all around God worshiping him. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. And it's just just powerful scene. Mm. And Isaiah is seeing this vision. And then he cries out like, woe unto me. Mm-hmm. And I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips and I've got an unclean heart. And, you know, so we tend to think of that with the fear of the Lord, like what happens if we meet God uh, at the end of our life and what happens if we were to see God, you know, would, you know, we kind of think of our response Mm -hmm. that way as being fear where Isaiah's like, I'm doomed, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. undone. Right. And so, and it's not uncommon to read in stories in the Bible where whether it's God appearing to somebody or an angel appearing. Oh yeah. Everyone's always scared. And the first thing that, God says, or the angel says, is fear not. Right? I saw like, a meme don't about be afraid. This the other day, it was a, a picture they oh, they had generated. They had generated. They like it was like um, an angel appearing to Mary. I think. Are you finding it? Yeah, well, I think I sent it up <laughs> as a youth group meme while you were gone. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like, be not afraid, sir. This is the scariest moment of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, like right. the biblically accurate angel. Like <laughs> it's an angel yeah. with like the six wings and the eyeballs yeah. in yeah. weird places. If you're and watching all that. on YouTube, we'll uh, have that on screen for you right now. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's like, fear not. You're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Yes. This is the scariest thing I've ever seen. How am I supposed to not be afraid? <laughs> Which I think is interesting because that's the point of these, the angels and God saying fear not is yeah. because. Mm-hmm. Like, chill out. Is like, cool. I know <laughs> this looks a little scary. Normal? Yeah. <laughs> I, I know this is a little unusual, yeah. right? Angels are like, is there any way we can tone this down at all? No, this is as, <laughs> as, as scary, as, as non-scary as we can make it. Right. So yeah. We have, have to make do. This is already the toned down yeah, experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we turned it up to level 10, they would die. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the reaction. And so then to fear the Lord, that's typically what we might think of when it comes to the fear of the Lord is that response and that mm-hmm. reaction and what yeah. if I met God and what would it be like? And yeah, if you met God, it and, would be... and it's because we're meeting the Pretty transcendent God, right? Like mm-hmm. the God who is above us and the God who is beyond us and the God who is <coughs> so different from us mm-hmm. and the one who created us. Right. So, so that's kind of the, you know, the main idea we tend to think about it, but it's actually one of the lesser uh, examples in the mm-hmm. Bible. Like if we look at all the examples of the fear of the Lord and what it means to fear the Lord, it's one of the the ones that happens the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second is the idea of, of respecting God. Yeah, The idea that, okay, God's worthy of our respect. God's worthy of honor. Uh, and it's not so much the emotional fear as just the idea of, okay, God is to be respected, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I fear my... You know, when um, when you know you've uh, done something wrong, you fear, you know, your dad walking in the room or your mom walking in the room, right? Because you're going to get caught or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's some of that feeling uh, when we think of God. I think it's hard um, to comprehend because there's people that have fear out of respect for some people, but that's been built on maybe some emotional manipulation. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's this this comparison that's not actually what we're trying to refer to, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not fear and respect based on, um, manipulation or, or they've lashed out at you or something. It's, yeah. it's much different than that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see this play out in the most beautiful way at the youth retreat. We have like one of our students who came to know the Lord over the summer and she heard from God for the first time when we were at the youth retreat and it was this kind of thing because, you know, she comes up and she's like crying because she's like, there's these feelings of like, mm-hmm. God, yeah. talk to me. Yeah, yeah. And so she's kind of, you know, she's freaked out. And she's, she's comprehending. It's like the creator of the yeah. universe and is I'm like, talking to yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm laughing. I'm like, this is so great. This yeah. is like, so scary. Talk to me, right? Like, <laughs> but like, I think <laughs> it, it encompasses thing. a lot of that, right? Because yes. like God yes. is speaking to, to me. Yeah. Right. And yet there in, in that is that love of like God is, yeah. is speaking to yeah. you. Right. So I think, yeah. I think, I don't know that to, so, for me, that's a picture of yeah. it. So she's having this sense of, she's just encountered the transcendence of God. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, Oh my goodness. Like, wow. Yeah. And this is like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And, and, and so within that, like there's the transcendence of God, but then there's the imminence of God. And we just, were talking about this with the young adults yeah. a mm. couple of weeks ago in our Bible study. But it's this idea that God is a f- is a is different from us, and He's far from us, 
and he's beyond us and we can't know his thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And then when we encounter that, it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that is the imminence of God, where Jeremiah says that, am I not a God who is only far away? No, I'm a God who's near, Mm -hmm. right? And so the imminence of God is like God coming in Jesus and becoming (sighs) God with us and becoming Mm -hmm. human and living life and living through the experience, kind of experiences we live through. And and then the idea of the nearness of God, that yeah. we can feel God's presence. So it's really cool. And that story if, uh, with this youth mm-hmm. is like she's experiencing the transcendence of God and the imminence of God at the same time. Yeah. And that's really when it's cool because it's like there's a sense of the the fear of the Lord mm-hmm. as in like the awe and the respect of God, but also the nearness of God. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, God loves me. And, uh-huh. you know, Cared this is, about God cares this, about. Yeah. yeah uh-huh. And at all that's like, so it's, that's where it's really cool is when we can picture God and understand God as he's beyond me. Mm-hmm. So that means he's worthy of my respect, but he's near mm-hmm. and he's close. So that means that he cares yeah. and that he loves me. Right. So, so anyway, those two concepts are really, really important mm-hmm. in, in, I think, in grasping things like the fear of God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how would one, if you don't fear God, is that wrong? And how, how would you come to fear God? So I think that's so, a hard concept to understand. Yeah, I think you're jumping into this, the third kind of way of the fear of the Lord, which I, I want to touch on, but I was just thinking like, if you can't fear God, it's kind of like you, you will fear God. Like yeah. if like you meet God, yeah, if you meet <laughs> God, it's, it's kind of like, okay, um, it, when we meet God, we're going to fear him. Right. And then this, the third aspect of fear is what you're uh, kind of alluding to or moving into is is uh, actually most of the references in the Bible about the fear of the Lord are where it's it's actually more connected to wisdom. Mm. That the fear of the Lord is about wisdom and it's about choosing God's way and choosing God's path, which is kind of more where you're alluding to. Like, so if somebody doesn't fear the Lord, it actually means that they're not choosing God's path, right? right. Like yeah. they're not choosing to go after God. They're not choosing to uh, to walk with God. They're choosing to go their own yeah. way mm-hmm. and try to figure it out on their own, right? So, uh, so kind actually, like if they had that relationship, they would they would know, right? That there is a reason for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's this sense of where the fear of the Lord is about wisdom, and actually, that's most of the references in Scripture is mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord is more about wisdom, and it's more about choosing to fear God and follow His ways. And um, uh, and follow after him. So, like Proverbs one twenty nine uh, says, they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, that's an example of you know somebody who doesn't fear the Lord. And then Proverbs nine verse ten, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And so, that's most of the examples when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. It's really about seeking wisdom and seeking God's way and, and following after 
God's way mm-hmm. uh, without, like we said earlier, without the extreme of trying to f- to see it as an intricate plan uh-huh. that I have to guess, I can't you know, ahead anything. and I have to know, <laughs> you know, but you're, you're following God's, God's way and then God's going to lead you into the specifics mm-hmm. and, you know, it gives you freedom within that. But, uh, so that's really, the, yeah, the fear of the Lord is, um, um, uh, it's a cool concept in, in scripture. And so then to answer this person's question, how can I fear the Lord and love him at the same time? Mm-hmm. Well, it really comes back to, um, if we fear the Lord and he's only transcendent and we're only having that Isaiah experience, mm-hmm. then, you know, we're not really getting a full experience of who God is. But if we fear the Lord and we're, we're we have those moments where it's like, I am in God's presence mm-hmm. and God is so real to me right now. But we're also experiencing the imminence of God and God's love, God's care for us, that mm-hmm. God is with us. That's where it's like the fear of the Lord is, uh, you know, in that moment we're experiencing both the respect and the love, both the transcendence of God, the imminence of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's really m- most of our experience with God is really in, in that yeah. space, where we're, where we're sensing both God's transcendence and God's nearness and we're experiencing that. And so then it is both the fear of the Lord and, and respect for God and God's love. So they aren't really opposed to each other like we might think they are. Mm-hmm. They're actually pretty closely connected and tied together. This is a great point too, because um, like Steve said, we were covering this at Young Adults. If you're in grade 12, you're welcome to come to Young Adults or an actual um, young adult. <laughs> or an actual young adult. <laughs> yeah. Um, but grade 12s, if you're in grade 12, you're welcome to young adults. I still haven't seen many come out yet. So I think they're just uh, got a lot on the go. But you're welcome to come out because, yeah, Steve's diving into some of these topics on Monday nights. Yeah, yeah we get into deep stuff. So if yeah. you like deep stuff <laughs> I know uh, soon, cause and good food and great conversation. Finn, That's the, Finn is in grade 11, 11 right? yeah. yeah. As soon as he's in grade 12, he's going to be coming because he loves, <laughs> yeah. Finn loves this he? sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Nice. Shout out to Finn. Um, <clears throat> next question. How does the Trinity work? God sent his son, but the son <laughs> is God. Did God send a different being down to earth or himself? Wow. Yeah. You seen that video with like the Patricks trying to describe the Trinity on YouTube? <laughs> it doesn't I matter haven't. what theory anybody has. That's labeled this Patrick. What do you mean, Patrick? It's funny. Uh, it just basically says it's it basically says it's impossible to understand. <laughs> Can you solve it? Can you? Well, that would He's be got the answers written. That would be right right right. my yeah. answer is <laughs> we actually don't know how the Trinity works. Like we know that conceptually. That's what the New Testament reveals to us, mm-hmm. but we don't know how it works. And then within that, there was like decades of theological ba- debate in the early years of Christianity. Well, what well, is didn't this? Didn't pray to you God? Know, so who is God Jesus? Yeah. yeah, so we actually don't know how it works, mm-hmm. but what we do know is that conceptually, that's what the New Testament reveals to us is that we have this one God, three persons, and we don't know how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and what we do, we do know, like, so, so things like, 
the incarnation mm-hmm. and and Jesus comes and and he's Emmanuel God with us right so Christmas has come in and yeah. you know all the Christmas songs are going to start yeah. coming out and the Christmas decorations are going to yeah. start coming out all that kind of stuff it's really about this incarnation and so that's where we see too right mm-hmm. so we've got the father is in heaven still and somehow God is also among us and he's become flesh. He's become Emmanuel, God with us. And it's like, how is this one God, right? You know, uh, it's like a science fiction movie sometimes. It it, it is. (laughs) And, and so for Jewish people coming out of a a really strict monotheism, Mm -hmm. um, it was really different. And this is where, when Jesus starts to allude to, the idea that he's God, they start to push back oh, yeah. because it's like, no, there's one God, he's in heaven, mm-hmm. yeah. you're not him, mm-hmm. right? And yet Jesus is consistently reinforcing that mm-hmm. message over and over again, mostly through illusion, mm-hmm. rarely saying it directly, but alluding through different ways to concepts that they understand to the point where, and they understood it because they got offended by it. So, right. right. Well, their monotheism set them apart from everyone around them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And God had spent, that was what the, the whole exile was about, was about monotheism because they were worshiping other gods and God's like, there's no other God but me. Do you want to explain that? Oh, sorry. Monotheism Monotheism. is. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Monotheism is. They're going to be like, (laughs) that's great. Yeah. Monotheism is there's, there's only one God and polytheism is there's more than one God. Mm Mm-hmm. And Which was traditionally followed by every other people group, right? In that in that era, the Romans were polytheistic. Mm-hmm. The kind Greek, of like the Greeks idea that you could worship any god. And yeah, there, the, were there, were gods. Gods. Mm. Oh. there were multiple gods. Oh, there were multiple gods. How do you know there's gods if you don't? Well, know them? they're trying to cover them all, right? You've got <laughs> one for the water, one for it, right? And so, like, but you don't want yeah, to miss yeah. worshiping one and making them angry. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was a lot about the the anger of the gods. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't want to anger such a funny your idea gods. that there might be a god that's like not revealed himself to someone, uh-huh, but is mad. But is mad that no one's paying <laughs> attention to him. <laughs> like, well, if you would have just come talk to us, you know, then well, I didn't seem like you guys were interested. So. <laughs> I've been here. That's an interesting god. Uh, so they were just like convinced, like, no, like our god is there's only one god. Yeah. So yeah. they go through this. They're worshiping many gods, and then God exiles them, takes them out of their land, takes yeah, them to Babylon, and and they. <laughs> go into this season of um, suffering yeah, because they were worshiping many gods and then they oh. come back. Mm-hmm. And so monotheism is so strongly drilled into mm-hmm. Jewish people mm-hmm. at this point that it's like, you, you cannot say anything yeah. else because we don't, we don't want to be, this. we don't want to be kicked out of our land yeah. again oh, yeah. right, by yeah. God. We want, we, we don't want to set up again. camp here. We don't, yeah, mm-hmm. we don't want to mess this, uh, this up. And, and then Jesus comes along. He's like, by the way, <laughs> before Abraham was, I am, yeah. which is mo- his most direct reference to yeah. saying, I am God. Right? And after me, I'll send the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then you've got things like Jesus' baptism, right? Like, yeah. so Jesus gets baptized. Mm. The father speaks from heaven, says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And the son is on earth in the Jordan River, getting baptized. And then the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove Mm -hmm. 
And it's this intentional description of that event that is showing us these three persons of one God, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's com- it's it's not uh, trying to then move from monotheism back to polytheism. It's like no, we're still strictly monotheistic. There is one God, mm-hmm. but now we're revealing. God is revealing to us three there's three persons, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So again, we don't understand it. Yep. We don't yeah. understand how that works. We just know that that's what's presented in the New Testament. And then things like the Great Commission, Matthew 28, it's where Jesus is about to go up to heaven. He's died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's saying goodbye to his followers. And he says, go into all the world teaching them everything I've taught you. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, right? So that's Jesus' words, and he's giving us this idea, okay, one God, but there's these three right. persons, right? So we're, yeah. so we're seeing that, and then the Son goes up and returns to the Father, and the Spirit comes, mm-hmm. and the Spirit is released on earth and the disciples are filled with the spirit in acts one. So we've got Another all of these, <laughs> we've, got, we've got all these things and it would take me a long time to explain this, but there's actually a foreshadowing to all of this in the old Testament mm. to the three persons of the Trinity. There's a foreshadowing all throughout the old Testament. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's complex and it would take a fair bit to explain it, but it's actually not something that was new and that's where um, people like Paul, people who knew scripture well, mm-hmm. they're you know, like, as they're oh, digging I back f- into it, yeah. they're like, oh, okay, actually this is, and the, author of, he- this. the author of Hebrews refers to the preeminence of Jesus using a lot of these Old Testament Psalms and texts that we can now see, okay, they are actually foreshadowers of what the about, Trinity. So. I mean, forgive me if you... I think it's like when Abraham and the three visitors, right? Is that like, that's part of the theory too, is it not? Right. Is that yeah. those kind of theophanies where God uh-huh. per- comes and presents himself? Yeah. There's mm. those kind of things. Foreshadowing. Yes. Yeah. And the funny, the funny part, I'll just say this, because culturally we're in this moment where we're inundated with all these movies that are about mm-hmm. foreshadowings yeah. and about... It's like, well, if prophecies you pay in this movie, and about yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> but here's the thing is that we, th- we can think, we could easily think, oh, well, the Bible is just one of those stories mm. about that. But actually the Bible is the inspiration the story. <laughs> for all of those stories, right? Like, like Tolkien got all of his stuff about the, you know, the rings and the pro- prophecy and the, you know, all of the representations of stuff. And, and he always claimed it was an allegory, but there's so many allegorical elements to it that people are like, yeah, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Right. So, um, uh, I, I saw on YouTube was a video with, it was a comic comp- competition, like a, you know, comics get up and they do oh, yeah, their routine yeah, yeah. and then they have judges and Norm MacDonald is one of the judges. Oh. And so the comic, his routine was about how Harry Potter, he's reading the book and there's this friend who's reading the Bible and the Bible's about this guy who 
dies and resurrects. That end, yeah. just like the plot of Harry Potter, right? <laughs> yeah. And and then so the the comedian thought, you know, this is good. I've just made this big dig at Christianity. Yeah. And then Norm Macdonald, as a judge, he's like, by the way, uh, J.K. Rowling has said herself yes. that. <laughs> her story is based on her Christian faith and inspired by it. And so... And just the way Norm would deliver that too. <laughs> but the, well, actually, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of a modern... Well, the author. Yeah. It's our modern way of thinking and it's an easy kind of uh, mistake to make because mm-hmm. we're surrounded by yeah. all this kind of material. It's all sourced from this it's idea. It's all sourced... And inspired like by Star Wars, the story the Force, of Jesus. All of that. Like it all goes back yeah. there. And so then people go, oh, well, it's just a story, just like the, all these others. Well, yeah. it's actually the story. <laughs> it's, it's the OG. It, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And, and so so that's one of the things we, we miss. And I got off on that rabbit trail. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what was the original trail? We were, we were talking about um, We were talking about the, the Trinity. Trinity. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, so we worship one God, God's revealed that he is communal, that he is three. And there's actually some really cool stuff in there. God's not alone. So we shouldn't be either. And so we shouldn't be either, right? So God's created us in his image, which means God's created us to be communal. God's created us to need people. God's created us to uh, rely on people, even as he relies on himself Right, so there's some actually really beautiful things that come out of understanding God as one God, three persons. Even though we go, can't, what is it? How does it actually work? Mm-hmm. We don't know. But there's some really beautiful things that come out of there in understanding who we are as creation. And uh, God didn't create us because He was bored and needed somebody else. Right? God, God is complete in Himself. He has community in Himself. But God created us because he loved us, mm-hmm. right? And God created us for community. God created us to need people. God created us to to hunger for people. And that's why we have this longing. Even if we are super introverted, we have this longing still to be connected to people, right? And, yeah. and that's a piece of God mm-hmm. in us. It's a piece of the image of God, that hunger to be connected to people. So, yeah. So those are, those are really cool things. But we don't understand it. Yeah. yeah. And that's okay. It's not the only thing we don't understand. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. There's a lot of things. Try to grasp eternity, kids. Yeah. Oh. yeah how long right. is that? <laughs> Find me under your calendar. Uh, Do you even need a calendar yeah. if you have eternity, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, uh, let's go for coffee sometime. And then you don't have to worry about that you didn't text that person back. Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. like, we got all the time in the yeah. world, right? You even have time. <laughs> hey guys, so this episode was very long. We broke it up into two parts. So this is the first part. We'll release the next part next week. Um, so we'll have uh, another bonus episode there for you. Bonus uh, so, episode. Uh, gotta gotta love is, the bonus episodes. What's that? <laughs> gotta love the bonus yeah, episodes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is the first part. Uh, second part will be up next week.
How do we, uh, so yeah, next question. How do we interpret the parables of Jesus to figure out the message? Right. Great question. Uh, really practical question too, because there's a lot of good things in those parables that I think can easily be, be misunderstood if yeah. we don't know or kind of what it to Jesus what is trying to, to or we could twist it to, to be what we want. No one ever does that. And <laughs> never. And the great thing about this question is it's a, it's a bit of a question for in general, how do we read the Bible? Mm. Right. And so anything that we're reading in the Bible, we need to read it in context mm -hmm. and understand the context. So the context of the parables is Jesus continually said that he was coming for the Jews. And when non-Jewish people, Gentiles, asked him for a miracle or asked him for whatever, he rarely did it. In a, in a couple of rare ex instances, he did. And in one case, he's like, well, I, I'm here for the Jews. I'm not mm -hmm. here for the Gentiles. My mission is for the Jews. So understanding Jesus' parables, is, that's actually really critical that he's telling these parables to Jewish people. So the parables that are about um, impending punishment and judgment and things like that, all of those parables, that's Jesus as a prophet declaring to the Jews that they have continually rejected God and continually close their eyes to God. And they're even still doing that, even in this moment. And there's going to come a point where they, um, they either are making themselves ready for God's return, or they're going to miss out on God's return. And those parables are really like, God's return is happening now, mm -hmm. right? So in the, in the first draft of those parables, in their first telling, in their first context... The, all those parables about, you know, the wedding feast, and then there's going to be the separation of sheep and goats, all that kind of stuff. In that moment, Jesus is talking about this moment that's happening right now. God has returned, yeah. <laughs> you know, and in the, some of those parables, it's like the master <coughs> sends the son mm -hmm. and the son gets, the, or the master sends messengers and they continually get right. disregarded. And then so the master sends finally the sends the son and then the son gets murdered or the son gets mm -hmm. beaten or whatever. And so, so it's essentially Jesus is telling those <laughs> so parables. What currently is happening right now. What's <laughs> happening right now is, and so it's like, now I'm the son, mm -hmm. you've had the prophets, now you have the sun, I'm here, yeah. and judgment's coming, yeah. and it's coming for you right now. Mm -hmm. And they're right. like, I wonder what the killing of the sun part was about. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wonder what that means. <laughs> so so that's, it, it's important to understand that that's the first context of all of those parables, is they're about the Jews, so the, the, the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's about the Jews that have their prodigals, and yet there's some, if they choose to, who go, oh yeah, I am eating among the pigs and I am eating from the slop and I am far from God. They can come, they can return to God and God's waiting for them and God's ready yeah. for them, right? And they don't need to be afraid to return. Right, yeah. yeah. So then, you know, the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. Mm -hmm. The parable of the lost sheep is like, that's <laughs> what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I have been yeah. sent to bring out and bring in all of the lost sheep. So I am searching for those sheep yeah. who know that they're lost. Even if you're the one, I'm going to come looking for you. Right. Yeah. 
And so, so to, to understand the parables, first of all, is uh, any confusion about them gets cleared up when we read them in that context that Jesus is talking to the Jews. Uh, and then the second thing is they become significant in that, you know, Luke, as he's writing his gospel and putting in all these parables, um, he's writing to Gentiles mm-hmm. because his ministry is now, he's with Paul and he's recording all this stuff for Theophilus, who is a Roman leader. I forget what his role is, but he's a government official. And he's recording all this stuff to tell the story mm-hmm. for Theophilus. Yes. So then Luke's writing to Gentiles. And so then as we start to read Luke, it's like, okay, now they're actually also for us. So the parables in their original context were for the Jews, but... Now they're for all of us because mm-hmm. Luke is writing to the Gentiles and he's putting in the parables he's putting in because they're describing this message that's not just about something that's for the Jews, it's something for us, right? So then the stuff about waiting mm-hmm. uh, and keeping your lamps lit and those kind of parables are really about us because mm-hmm. Jesus has promised that he's going to return and so are we going to be found ready and are we going to have our lamps lit? So there was like the five uh, ladies who had their lamps lit and ready for the return of, oh, the, right. uh, of, of whoever it was in the parable. And then there's the five who didn't. And then the five who were ready were honored because they were ready and the five who weren't, re- you know, so, so it's this idea within Luke, as we read that it's Jesus said he would return. He will return are we going to be ready? Mm-hmm. And it's so we can learn from that Jewish story. There was lots of people who weren't ready when Jesus came the first time. And they, they had <coughs> plenty of warning. Oh, they had yeah. plenty of prophecy leading up to that. And they just weren't ready to receive it. And then now as Gentile believers and as Christians in general, Jewish and Gentile, we are waiting for Jesus to return mm-hmm. and we've got all these prophecies and we've got all this, you know, confirmation that there, he's going to come and at the right time in the fullness of time, he's going to come. And the question is, are we ready? Right. And, and so that's how you read the parables. It's got, they've got those two layers and, and it's important to kind of be able to see that. And that's a lot of even how we read the Bible. There's mm-hmm. the context but then there's, okay, what does it mean to me? Yeah. What does it mean for me? You were kind me? of talking about that uh, like a month ago or so in a sermon. Like there's some verses that can kind of transcend their context. Yes. You yeah. Know, like, um, yeah. like one that often gets taken out of its context is Jeremiah 29, 29 11. 11. Yeah. The but plans it, I have for you. Yeah. But it can mean yeah. something else. I think you were using another example too. But it's, it's using another example, but the, the principle is if... I was using, uh, we can do all things through Christ right. who gives us strength. Yeah. The context of that is it's about contentment. Mm. And Paul's saying, I've learned to be content. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So it's not necessarily yeah. talking about the strength. It's that not we, talking we, about we it to yeah. Steph Curry, writing it on his shoes yeah. and playing a good <laughs> basketball game. Right? <laughs> but um, the flip side is that if a verse like that, like a concept like that, occurs multiple times throughout the Bible Mm -hmm. in different contexts, then it's actually a verse we can take and say, this, this is applies to all of us at any time. 
right? It's pretty hard to and, kind of twist that for a negative, right? Yeah, and the thing, idea of yeah. and the idea of God giving us strength, mm-hmm. and that we get strength through Christ, that shows up all over the place oh, yeah. in different contexts. So it's legitimate for us to say. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we're not talking about contentment. We're talking about something else because the concept is used multiple times in different contexts. So Mm -hmm. we know, and then Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the argument there is, Oh, well that that was just about the Jews in exile and you're not a Jew in exile. But again, it's the same thing. Like there's, you go to Deuteronomy, you go to all kinds of stuff. There's so many different times where God is like, I've got plans yeah. for you yeah. and their plans for good. Yeah. And Romans, Paul says that, right? Like all things work for good for those yeah. who love God and are called according to his purpose. Right. So, yeah. so that's a concept again, that appears multiple different contexts. Mm-hmm. So it's legitimate for us to say the plans I have for <coughs> you says the Lord there and to take that verse for us right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and so I, I, that's one of my pet peeves is when I hear people like, I just took a seminary class and I just learned that this, you're not yeah. supposed to use this first because the mm. context is this, <laughs> or I just saw a, a, a meme on it, but it's like, no, actually yeah, I've seen the, a lot of memes on it. Yeah. Yeah. The reason why you've heard that so many times is there was theologians who worked all that out before yeah. you mm-hmm. and who know more than you, yeah. who said, we need to use these verses because they transcend their context. Right. So anyway, yeah. it's, I get the principle of using the context uh-huh. yeah. and it's important because I think there's times where oh, there's you can't lot. take you can it take out of context. You can take out of context and you can you do stupid things yeah. because mm-hmm. you, you go, okay, God, just show me a verse to be mindful of. and you just flip through, uh-huh. you know, your Bible on your phone, like show me a verse and then you point to it and oh, the yeah. verse says whatever, you know, yeah, and, and mm-hmm. that's that that's not necessarily God speaking to you, yeah. but there are some scriptures where it's like, no, this supersedes the context. Yeah. This is for mm-hmm. all believers and at all times. It's important to be mindful of that, but not to be like, yeah, it's, I get it. yeah, like you said, it just depends on the, mm-hmm. on the, the, what, what it's saying. Yeah. Cause there's some stuff that's like, well, that's not something right. that's preached throughout the Bible. This is just a story that's you're, you're getting information about something. Right. Know? Like a great example of, of different texts that we 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 do, we don't need to read in the same way anymore are things like um, Levitical laws, you know, yeah. cleanliness laws, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were for that context and for that time. And then, as Jesus comes, he fulfills all the law. <laughs> and then, as the early church is working out you know, for the Gentiles, what laws are they supposed to keep? What are they not supposed to keep? And they said, well, we want you to keep all the ones related to sexual morality. And we want you to uh, also pay attention to meat sacrifice to idols. And that was, that was it. So they took all of that Levitical stuff and shrunk it down to essentially the 10 commandments are repeated all throughout the new Testament. So those are there. And, and then be careful around sexual immorality and be careful around stuff that's sacrificed to other gods. Right. So again, um, so that's, that's an example where you go back to Leviticus Mm -hmm. and it's like this one guy wrote a book called a year of living biblically. And he based his 
biblically on the book of oh, Leviticus. No. Oh, <laughs> oh no. And yeah. so then he lived according to exactly and and like no, actually that's not yeah. the way to do He's it. Like, I'm because, not seeing some benefits with certain things yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. Like there's certain things where you see it and then later on in scripture it's you're told, okay, now that no longer applies to, mm-hmm. you know, that. So, so then it's there as that's part of the history of salvation and that's not something we need to live into right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. But here's what we need to live into right now. So out of Leviticus, what we need to live into right now is 10 commandments, sexual purity, and um, uh, making sure that we're honoring God and putting God first in our worship, right? So yeah. anyway, that's that's just... That's where that's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's important to understand some of those principles right? Yes. as we're reading the Bible. Otherwise the Bible can get confusing right? and everybody's interpretations of the Bible and the memes we read on Instagram and <laughs> oh social gosh, media. Fake verses that are yeah, working all know, over. Right? <laughs> uh, right. So. Do you still have time for more questions? I do. Yeah, Excellent. I do. Excellent. Uh, what translation should a new Christian read? Ah. So great question. Uh, I think that for a new Christian who is not familiar with Shakespearean English, (laughs) you should probably, you know, not start with the King James Bible. However, I do think uh, King James is a great Bible to go to, a great translation to go to. Uh, There's certain things about how the English language has changed where we've dropped off, you know, certain concepts of how we use our words that are still preserved in, in the, the King James. So there's some right. cool stuff there, but Just to uh, be you clear, don't want to start with King James was not the Bible. Jesus read, right? Yeah. That's one of my favorite things. That's one of my favorite things. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I'm like, that was not, no, that's no. not it. Like the, yeah. The King James is based on a, a text that you brought know, into was English, from a, right? about people. Yeah. It was translated in the thousands AD and it was kind of this, um, you know, Core translation that was that was uh, it was a Greek because the original text. translations were like our original language was like Arabic, Hebrew, Hebrew and Greek. I uh, know Aramaic, Aramaic. Yeah, so Hebrew is the majority of the Old Testament, and yeah. there's a little bit of Aramaic. Yeah, in in Daniel and a couple other small sections of Aramaic. Yeah, um, and then Greek is the New Testament. Yeah, and then there's a third text tradition that's the Greek Old Testament. <coughs> so it was translated in the 200s BC from a Hebrew document that they had mm-hmm. in 200 Greek, BC to in 200 BC. Uh-huh. So there's kind of those those three there's those two Old Testament traditions, the Hebrew Bible and the Greek Septuagint and then there's the Greek New Testament. So th- yeah, so there's so what did they use for King James to translate so King James was Greek and it was based on a text that had a long translation history or a long copying history. So it was, it was, a lot of um, manuscripts. yeah. Like, so as we go back, we, all we can do is go back and look, mm-hmm. you know, at these manuscripts and, and so we know that it was in existence as early as a thousand in the thousands, um, AD, that particular manuscript was unchanged from that point mm. to 
the point where, where King times. James um, copied many times, mm-hmm. but the, the copies are uh, in line with each other, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's only like when we go back to uh, the earliest <laughs> era of the church, uh, we start to see, we get closer to the original manuscript mm-hmm. and, and what actually was, was being said in the original Hebrew and the original Greek. And the more we study the context, we've got lots of information about the first century and information that helps us understand the Greek language, information that helps us understand the Hebrew language that um, then helps us better translate mm-hmm. what it is, right? Yeah. So, so the, no one's so even King reading James the original kind of, King James version. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the King James is kind of locked into that, um, was it 1517 AD, something like that. Um, it, it's locked into that point in time and it's the best translation they had of mm-hmm. the best manuscript they had. So it was really good and lasted for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then just now in the last hundred years, we've just made so many more archeological discoveries and we have, uh, Dead sea manuscript, yeah, yep. the Dead Sea Scrolls and a bunch of other things that, the Ugaritic texts for the Old Testament tell us a lot about because uh, um, that was a society that uh, that kind of ended in around 1100 BC, and it's kind of frozen. All the stuff that's there was kind of frozen in time, so we we, we can tell what mm-hmm. the right. ancient Semitic languages were like, of which Hebrew is one. So that gives us. So we've got those two: the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Ugaritic texts that kind of help us to discern. Mm-hmm. Old Testament and New and and understand how words were used and what they meant and what the context was and all of that kind of cool stuff. So, so you're a big fan of uh, so tr- NLT. Yeah, so translation-wise, <laughs> uh, uh, NLT is a good one. And I like NLT because it's for readability. Yep. I think it's really, uh, really readable. Um, the main thing I really like about the NLT is if you... If you read the NLT and if you've got it on your phone, if you've got it uh, in a print version, the NLT is the only translation that does this where if there's a verse that scholars are divided on, Mm. where it could actually go this way and it could go this way, Mm -hmm. NLT will tell you. Both ways. Both ways. Mm -hmm. So they'll have what they put in the text that you're reading and then they'll have an asterisk. And you can go down, you can read the whole sentence, the way it also could be translated. Mm. And ESV and NIV don't do that for you. Mm. They'll give you little hints of what the original word might be and Mm -hmm. things like, but they won't do that. Mm. And that's actually pretty significant because in our day and age, we've got access to online info and people are saying, well, it doesn't mean that, it means this. And if your Bible actually... Your Bible. Yeah, Yeah, so if you're using the NLT, it actually (laughs) is telling you yeah, this could be translated. This, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's no surprise to us, mm-hmm. right? It's transparent and about it. It's transparent about it. Yeah. Uh, so, and so ESV is the English Standard Version. That one is more of a um, like. There's two different ways of translating. There's a thought for thought translation where you take the thought of the sentence and put it in the language you translate. And then there's a word for word translation where you don't care about how readable it is, but you just... Just the literal translation. You're, you're, you're yeah. trying to be more literal. So ESV tends to lean a little bit more towards the word for word. 
If I'm the, allowed to have a least favorite version of the Bible, it's that. It's that. And the ESV. Yeah. I just, I just couldn't. Anytime I read it, I'm like, uh. yeah. And, it's, and it is because it's more word for word, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Yeah. So it's harder to grasp the concepts because they're giving you more, more word for word. ESV is like, I prefer ESV if I'm wanting to... If I'm being lazy and not wanting to go <laughs> to the to the Hebrew and read the Hebrew, uh-huh. ESV I can discern the Hebrew well, from the ESV because it's word for word, right? right? Uh, so if you don't so feel like reading Hebrew, yeah. Uh, with Greek, it's a little tougher because Greek is a little more random in its word order and all mm. that kind of stuff, and Greek sentences are a little bit uh, wonky. But but with Hebrew stuff. I can go to the ESV and I can pick out, okay, well, that's the Hebrew word that they're using, mm-hmm. you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff if I want to be just yeah. kind of lazy about it. <laughs> huh. You have uh, a time making up a sermon you're like, oh, I got to find that. But that's also <laughs> what makes it harder to read yeah. right. is it's cut because it's got, it's kind of a the bit choppy. A bit weird. It's better for mm-hmm. study. It's yeah. better for more in-depth study, um, but, you know, not as easy to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So ESV is good. What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on the message? Uh, the message is a translation. People yeah. tend to call it not a translation. The problem is it's just a translation from one person. Right. Mm. So it is a translation, and it's translation from Eugene Peterson, who was an Old Testament scholar, mm-hmm. New Hebrew, New Greek, and he was translating it. Mm-hmm. And it's what's called a dynamic translation. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's beyond thought for thought. It's more like we want you to feel the, the punch of this verse mm-hmm. and what it would have felt to everybody reading it. So so he's actually doing a translation, but it's called a dynamic translation. And so he's like, it's not literal, not word for word, sometimes not even thought for thought. Yeah. It's more like, we want you to feel yeah. what the, the original readers kind of would have felt. Right. Uh, and so then he's using different, you know. So uh, I'll, I'll, like the other, the major translations, there's a whole translation team and there's like a hundred translators mm-hmm. yeah. that are doing it. And they're reviewing each other's work. And they're right? reviewing each other and they're assigned to certain <laughs> sections and they're working as a team and they're figuring out, okay, how are we going to trans, you know, so that's the difference between the message and the others is it's one person translating it versus a team and they're, you know, Eugene Peterson was trying to bring about a dynamic and, and you know, help you experience the emotions mm-hmm. that the Hebrew reader would have felt. So I'll use it and I won't. So mm. I remember like I got a copy when I was in college and I was reading it one day and I was like, I didn't know the Bible said that. So I pulled out my like NIV and I was like, it doesn't say that. <laughs> so, you know, I've had those moments, but I've also had moments where I'm like, okay, I work with teenagers and sometimes to, I mean, you're reading through Romans. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, how do I explain this in a way where a teenager is not just going to shut their brain off? So sometimes it actually is very handy because mm-hmm. it will yeah. say it correctly, but in a way that I'm like, oh, they're going to get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's handy that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And to capture the feeling and the emotions, mm-hmm. like, um, when you read Hebrew and, and you, you're familiar with Hebrew and you go back to read some of Eugene Peterson's, like some of the messages, uh, like the Psalms, mm-hmm. you can really c- catch the emotions mm. uh, that it's actually poetry, right? Because it was originally poetry. Sometimes in these other translations, it doesn't quite work as poetry, whereas with his, he's bringing you the emotions of what it was like. Because right. originally a a poem put to music. So mm-hmm. really it was a song. It was like a popular song that was became seen as, no, this is filled 
with the spirit and this is the spirit of God, you know, speaking through this. So Mm -hmm. we're going to make sure this is recorded and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But while you're looking at the next question there, which I'm assuming you're doing, uh, when I want to get on Pastor Jamie's nerves, I pull out the passion. Oh. <laughs> have you read that? I haven't. No. <laughs> the passion. Yeah, the passion translation. I, I got myself a copy of it. What's different of it, about it? Like It's very feelings orientated. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, I think it so pushes the extreme of the message. It, it grates Pastor Jamie. Right. So it's <laughs> so, so it's some form of a dynamic translation. Yeah, very, I would think, I would say like almost entirely written through like, like Holy Spirit centered, like that's okay. the mindset. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Well, maybe I'll have to take a look at it and <laughs> compare it to the Hebrew. You should there probably bank on Jamie be like, I think I'm going to preach a whole sermon this time. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think we're going to change out Jamie all the Bibles we hand out here. Jamie runs to the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tackles you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like preaching from the Passion Translation might be the equivalent of pretending to... Uh, Drill the uh, the pulpit. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, people would be like, eh. like the senior Jamie would to say, like "Watch you. it, boy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our last question. No, no here. disrespect for those that love the passion translation. Yeah, yeah. 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 You haven't read it. You don't know. I don't yeah. know yeah. anything yeah, about I it. Have yeah. some learning to do. You have to check it out. <laughs> so our last question here: um, Why do you believe? What evidence convinces you to believe in God slash Jesus? Please get philosophical about it. Right. Great question. Uh, why do I believe? I, I think that uh, it goes back to personal experiences uh, would be a piece of it. Um, learning and reading scripture would be a piece of it. Um, learning about other religions would be a piece of it and comparing, like doing a comparative study of, mm-hmm. um, like I took a course in university on Buddhism cause I had some electives available and there was a course on Buddhism. So took a course on Buddhism from a practicing Buddhist who was, uh, you know, from originally, uh, European or North American, but, um, but his wife was from a Buddhist country and, and he had studied there. It was kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was different. I'd be like, um, but really fascinating. And, and again, like, so why do I believe, um, like it starts with personal experience with God. It starts with, um, family upbringing. It continues with experiencing God myself, reading scripture, starting to become, convinced that, okay, yeah, this is not just my parents' faith. This Mm -hmm. is my faith. Um, God has shown up in my prayer life. God has answered prayer. God has not answered prayer, which has caused me to seek him more. And then eventually God has, you know, found a way to provide in a way I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, so all of those personal experiences make a difference. Uh, But, but yeah, studying, other religions and reading and comparing and going, okay, does this actually have a message that helps to explain the human Mm. situation? And does this have a message that actually helps to solve the human situation? Right. So, um, and, and 
for me, what, what keeps me believing is just doing that comparative study is no, I, I think that the Christian explanation of why humanity is both as potentially good as it is and in such a mess that it's in is the best explanation. We're created by a good God in God's image. So that explains all of the potential goodness that we have and all of the incredible creativity that we have, uh, all of the potential there is in, in humanity. And yet, why do we constantly fail, falter, struggle, shoot ourselves in the foot? Mm -hmm. Well, the, um, the concept of the power of sin and that we've given ourselves over to sin and that it's, the power of sin is something that we need to be redeemed from and saved from. And we can't sort it out with our own intellect and we can't sort it out with our own decisions and our own actions and all that kind of stuff. Um, to me, that shows itself as true over and over and over again. When you, when you think about um, uh, what I observe in day-to-day -day life, right? And what, what we're observing in the Ukraine and uh, things that are happening in um, uh, Pakistan, things that are happening in Israel and Gaza these days, right? Like, and all over the world. Um, and just our interactions with, with people and well-meaning people yeah. have problems and get messed up and all that kind of stuff. And that's because of the power of sin and, and we need a savior and we need Jesus and we can't do it without him. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so those things all definitely play into it. And, um, yeah, so personal experience, comparing, learning, growing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I see you want to I'm just going to pause in. it right there. I think we uh, need to swap a battery out. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> just the camera died. They can still hear us? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, the battery died in the camera? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. There we are. I mean, it, is it, was, red, so. it was just for a couple of minutes that it was off. Mm. You want to keep going for a bit and get into the yeah. philosophical um, side or, or just wrap it up a bit? I think, like, what, what would you want to get into with the, the, the getting philosophical about it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said. Yeah, we could just wrap it up. I think, yeah, I think we're going to have to make it a two-parter either way. Awesome. So remind me to How long record that at the end. Yeah, we should record the beginning of the second part. Yeah. Uh, it's an hour and a half right now. Perfect, okay. yeah. Nice. So Divided into two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, f say what you feel like you need to say. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll kind of record a like, hey, maybe, this, this is going to be the second part, and then uh, maybe I'll just say so. You know, my advice for anybody that's wrestling, awesome with, yeah. you know, should I? I grew up Christian, or you know, whatever. Yeah, so I could I could talk about that. Yeah. Okay, I'll edit it in here. 
Yeah. So that question, why do you believe? Yeah. It, for me, it's, it's like I say, it's personal experiences. It's spending time reading the Bible. It's spending time reading other texts. So Bhagavad Gita, the, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the Quran, different texts like that and processing through, you know, is Christianity the best explanation for why we are the way we are and why we're in the situation we're in and the best situation or best explanation for why we're so potentially good and yet so flawed. And, and I really do think that Christianity for me is the best explanation. Uh, and, and then I, you know, I went on to further education, got a master's degree, learned Hebrew, all that kind of stuff. And for me, that whole process only just confirmed my faith even more. And for some people, because I, I had questions, you know, you hear people say things like, oh, there's there's errors in the manuscript and there's this and that. And, you know, well, I was, was actually able yeah. to, yeah, I was actually able to find it out for myself mm-hmm. and learn the language, uh, l- learn the Hebrew, learn the Greek, uh, learn a little bit of Aramaic and understand, uh, you know, what's really going on there, right? So for me, that whole process, I came out uh, having my faith strengthened mm. and my faith more rounded out, mm. um, less simplistic, a little more in depth, a little more um, post-critical. So I took a critical look at my faith and a critical look at what I believed. And, you know, I've got a post-critical faith now, but it's it's a faith that's stronger than ever. Mm in a God who loves me and in a savior who died for me and in a spirit who fills me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's, that's pretty important. And I would just say for those who are maybe asking this question, why do you believe? Because maybe you have questions, right? You have, uh, things you're trying to sort out in your faith. Um, my encouragement would be, um, it can't be all intellectual. Mm-hmm. You've got to lean into God by faith. And a piece of it is those personal experiences and moments that you have with God, mm-hmm. where you trust God and you pray and you believe and you leave things with God and you lean into God and you worship God and God speaks and God does things and God confirms it. Right. So, so it can't be all intellectual. If you're intellectually oriented, it does need to be experiential and personal. Just a question, just to clarify, uh, cause I wonder if they're going to hear it through a certain filter. So a post critical faith versus a deconstructing of your faith. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't like the term deconstruction and most of the podcasters that I listen to who are involved in deconstructing their faith don't like the term either. Mm. Right. But it's just kind of become the common term and it's more about reconstructing. It's like pulling out bits and pieces that I've heard and understood and maybe misunderstood and trying to figure out who God really is. Right. You're understanding it better. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're yeah. You're literally building your faith stronger. Mm -hmm. You're not, taking it apart. Right. Yeah. So, so if it's about deconstruction in the terms of just totally pulling it apart with no intention to pull it back together, I don't, I just don't think that that's wise. Um, if it's about some form of reconstruction, like you're, you're 
pulling your faith apart a little bit to try to, I think I just died. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still, still, still going, going here. So, okay. So, so yeah. you're, you're pulling your faith apart a little bit to help understand it and help process it mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, I think that that's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I'd say, and that's the intellectual side, right? Like that's yes. the intellectual exercise. So there's the personal experiential side and then there's the intellectual side and the intellectual side, um, when it comes to things like, um, when you learn concepts and you're eight years old, mm. the only lens and filter you have is through that eight year old filter. Right. And if that remains your only filter of God or Jesus through the rest of your life, that's a pretty bad thing. Yes. Right. So, so there's a positive side of, if you want to use the word deconstruction, there's the positive side of you're pulling apart that eight year old understanding and helping to gain a, um, an, an, an adult level mm-hmm. understanding. Right. So, Perfect. or if your idea, if your understanding is at a junior high level right, or a senior high level, cause that's where you had your, your strongest experience with God or right. your strongest moment of your faith. Right. Or you, it's where you first heard about the Trinity or it's mm-hmm. where you first heard about Jesus, you know, atonement for your sins, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if your understanding stays at a junior high or senior high level, then that's not great. Right. So if, so with deconstruction, that, that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to, okay, I, I understand it at a junior high level. Mm-hmm. I want to understand it as an adult, yeah. right? And I think that's super important. It's really, really important and really healthy. Um, but again, I don't like that term deconstruction. I prefer something like, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm pulling it apart. And I'm, and I'm, my understanding is when I was 12 mm. and now I want to understand it at yeah. 18. Yeah. Uh, and, and for, you know, those, as you move into young adult years and so now we were just talking about this 21 right mm-hmm. last night um we had a, like a girls and a guys talk and the, the guys the the one question was like hey, what are the things i'm going to be faced with as a young adult when i go to college or university and we we brought that up it's like mm-hmm. well you this is the season in your life where you really need to build this foundation and understanding your, your faith you know you're always gonna have, <coughs> you're always gonna have people in your life who are going to build you up and you need to surround yourself with those people who are going to support you in your faith. Um, but if you don't understand it, if you don't understand why you believe what you believe Mm -hmm. and then you go to college and it's tested the whole point of, yeah. Like it's like, why do you, why do you, what, like you need to understand why you believe that. Right. And you're going to be tested. It's like that, that, that then you can potentially, yeah, like, deconstruct in the sense of like pulling it apart and, and not understanding it and, and just giving up on your faith. Yeah. And in some cases like that, I I think the person isn't even deconstructing. They're just like, okay, I grew up with this and now I'm in this environment and now I'm hearing this person say another thing and they're just trading Mm -hmm. what they heard their youth pastor say for what they heard their college professor Uh, say. uh And, and, 
neither of those is good because if you're not internalizing it yeah. and making it your own, mm-hmm. then it's not going to last, right? So I think in some cases, it's like, well, I believe this because I heard my pastor say this or I heard my youth pastor say this. Now I get yeah. to college and this professor has a PhD, therefore now I believe what he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you haven't actually tested either of them and you haven't actually internalized either of them, right? Yeah. So I think that's kind of the shock in the first year of university, second year of university is um, because we haven't internalized it and haven't really tested it and we hear something new and this person has a doctorate and this person has, you know, a book written and that, you know, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm going to believe that because I'm in this environment. So my big thing is just, it's your faith. You need to ask the questions and, and don't forget you know, everybody's speaking out of their, uh, perspective, their yes. lens, their passion filter, right. Yeah. And uh-huh. their understanding. And then you're hearing it out of your own understanding. You're not even hearing their level of understanding on it. Mm-hmm. Right. So your youth pastor has a level of understanding and they're saying, God loves you. They're saying this and that. Mm-hmm. And, they have a different understanding of it because it's deeper, they're older, they've experienced stuff, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it's true, but for you, you haven't internalized it and you're hearing it and you're like, I'm not even sure I heard, like you might not even have heard exactly all the meaning that's Mm -hmm. there because the way words work, you can only hear a certain thing. And so you've got to internalize it and deepen it and and make it your own. And Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really just need to own your faith. Yeah, it's, you can't let, someone else's experience affect your faith, you know? Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, I think, yeah, like there's a lot of projecting and like, Oh, well I'm mm-hmm. a bad person then if I believe something different because this person is feeling that way, especially if you're very empathetic, right. You know, like, right. Yeah. You feel like you need to change what you believe because this yeah. other person's interpreted it another way, you know? And, and I would just add here, um, as you are, constructing your faith as an adult, like as you move out of high school and into your adult years, you're going to be figuring out your faith. And, um, my biggest encouragement would be don't be quick to jump into, uh, those who are saying, well, don't believe the Bible because the Bible says this, or don't, you know, uh, that verse doesn't mean that, or that, you know, all that kind of stuff. Don't be quick to jump in on mm-hmm. that. Cause even in this podcast, we talked about mm-hmm. the importance of context and the importance of understanding some of that stuff. Right. And so don't be quick to jump in. Uh, you know, if somebody says, Oh, you can't, that verse doesn't mean that. Right. Don't be quick to just accept that yeah. at face value, dig into it. Mm-hmm. you know, figure it out, uh, learn it. Right. Um, and people have been trying to disprove the Bible for centuries and yeah, centuries and centuries. Right. And the Bible continues to make a comeback and we discover something new in archeology span or we discover something new, you know, so, so just, you know, just don't be too quick to have somebody say to you, Oh, don't, that verse doesn't mean that, or this doesn't mean that, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, the Bible has contradictions or whatever, all that kind of stuff. Don't be quick to then dismiss the Bible, mm-hmm. right? Stick with the Bible because I really do believe that if you want to go through a process of really deepening your faith, scripture has to be a part of it. Yeah. And, and understanding and seeing scripture as it, it is, one of the, well, it's the main way that God speaks to us. It is, yeah. Uh, because our emotions 
we can get confused on what's the Holy Spirit and what's our emotions mm-hmm. in the moment. But Scripture is Scripture, and it stood the test of time. It brings clarity. And that. it brings clarity, and the Holy Spirit can use that. So it's really the best way for God to speak to us, and it's the best way for you to test your faith. And I think in those first two years out of high school, what often happens is, is uh, you know, there's, oh, you, you don't believe that because the Bible has contradictions, or don't believe that verse because, um, you know, it, it doesn't mean that. So... Mm-hmm. So uh, that verse we were talking about, Jeremiah 29, the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, somebody tells you to disbelieve that, and then suddenly you don't have that anchor to go back to. Okay, God has plans for me that are not for evil, but for good and for hope, right? If you lose that, Mm. what are you losing? You're losing a lot spiritually. All because somebody said, oh, well, that verse doesn't mean that in that context, right? Well, we've just talked about how... You know, all the the ways you you need to the questions needed to ask to be able to say, actually, that verse does mean that and mm-hmm. does apply to me, and I can still hold on to it as a promise, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you believe that right away, and you pull that <sighs> verse out of your your catalog of of promises, well, suddenly you know your faith is is hindered and and harmed, right, and hampered. Right. Right. So just like hold on to scripture. Don't be quick to dismiss things just because somebody tells you something. Yeah. Don't be quick to, I like that. you know, um, yeah. So that's, that's just what I would say. And after now years of studying further and, uh, you know, learning Hebrew, learning Greek, all that kind of stuff, learning the different manuscripts and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm more convinced than ever that scripture is, is, uh, inspired God's inspired word to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, so just don't be quick to dismiss that on yeah. your journey as you're figuring out what you believe. Right. Awesome. awesome. Steve, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you spending time with us and, uh, we're, um, Teaching glad you're able to come things. and, uh, and to share with us. Uh, if you guys have more questions, I, I have a feeling we might be doing this again, so feel free to send them in. And uh, we'll try and get to them at some point. So thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me. It's great. We'll see you guys later. See you, everybody. Hey, everyone. This is part two of our theological discussion with Pastor Steve. It was Uh, so good. You get two parts. Yeah. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to go do that. (coughs) I got to do that again. Let's do that again. Poor Levi. It's a lot of talking for one day. Uh, <laughs> flu cold. Uh, <laughs> 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 Hello, everybody. Uh, Levi's having some problems right now, so I'm going to intro this episode. You can't drink enough water. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, help me. Hey, everyone. This is a part two to our... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Is this a blooper reel, which is like Levi coughing? We'll have to put it in now. (laughs) It'll be the bonus feature at the end of the episode. exercise I can do to (coughs) stop coughing? (laughs) Gotta do that cough that is exactly what it sounds like if it was written, like... (laughs) (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.
Is it the tickle in your throat one? Yeah, and it just won't go. It's away. not going to stop. Yeah. yeah. I could do Hot this. liquids will it's, sometimes it's do it for me. It's a miracle we made it this far. Yeah. This. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is uh, part two to our discussion, our theological discussion with Pastor Steve. If you haven't heard the first episode, I encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, but this is part two. Uh, so let's jump into it. Woo, part two. Cool. You did it. I did it. Yay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Oh. Hopefully, some of that was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. The kids will.